Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome to an all new episode of Her Playbook, a podcast highlighting inspiring women in the world of sport. My guest today is a gold medal winning wide receiver, the inaugural recipient of the Rosie Brown Minority Coaching Fellowship and Giants Offensive Quality Control Coach Angela Baker. Thanks so much for taking the time today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have you. I mean, first of all, we got to talk about your journey. You were an athlete growing up. You played high school basketball, Mm -hmm. softball, but how did football find its way into your life? So I played flag football growing up at my local boys and girls club, playing with all the boys and mixed co-ed stuff, playing with my older brother. Um, So I always kind of loved football, but there wasn't many opportunities. I played powder puff in high school, you know, the annual game, which was still enjoyable. Yeah, 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 I played that. that. It's a great game. Yeah, (laughs) it is. You know, you learn to love it and enjoy it, but there was an opportunity. So I never really counted on football for, um, you know, a long term endeavor. But I was at Slippery Rock University my freshman year and I wasn't playing a sport, which I had played sports all growing up continuously, you know, right. fall and spring and just nonstop. Um, so when I was up there, I wasn't playing anything. You know, in college, you think about getting into intramural sports and stuff like that, but it just wasn't as competitive and as formal as I kind of wanted. Uh, so I saw an ad for the Pittsburgh Passion, which was the women's professional tackle football team in Pittsburgh. Uh, I had gone to a game in the past whenever I was younger. My mom had a friend that was associated. So we went to it and I knew about it, but kind of forgot. Uh, so I saw the tryouts and I was like, you know what, let's give it a shot. And my school was only 45 minutes from the city. So I went to the open tryouts and I tried out and the rest was kind of history. I fell in love immediately and that became everything that I cared about. Well, in Pittsburgh Passion, of course, tackle football, Mm -hmm. growing up around flag football, watching football, knowing the game, but being tackled or having that tackle experience for the first time in college. I mean, what was that experience like? What was the biggest learning curve there? You got to, you know, get back up. That's the biggest thing that we (laughs) learned. Uh, That was one thing that my coaches appreciated was, you know, you get hit and you get back up. I grew up with an older brother and a younger brother, but I grew up with my older brother and always played sports with him and his friends. So you know, touch football turned into a little bit of tackle and then you get to put the pads in the gear and it's, you know, obviously a lot harder at that point because there's fundamentals and you're going full speed. Uh, But it was more than anything, just learning to get back up and, you know, taking a hit isn't that bad. It kind of gets your adrenaline flowing a little bit and makes you just want to go and do some more. Now, I I saw a story about you like early on in your playing career, you were actually in a boating accident Mm -hmm. and, you know, had a pretty severe burns from it. But powered through that and got back up and got back onto the football field, going through that kind of adversity, you really got to love the sport to say, you know what, I'm not going to let this make me quit. What was that mental hurdle like for you? (laughs) My mom still gets upset about it. But the day of the accident, my first initial thought was, can I ever play football again? Wow. 
you know, I loved it. And 2016 was a really great year for me. That was the year of the accident. It was um, actually ended up getting offensive MVP of the league that year. So it was uh, it was probably the peak of my career. And just to have it at that point, have the accident was devastating. Um, but it, I knew that in 2017, the U.S. Women's National Team was going to be hosting their tryouts and going to Canada for the international tournament. And I had set that goal that 2016, I was on the right path. I was going. Tryouts were going to be the following January. So I didn't really have the ability to let myself wallow too much because I had a goal that I wanted to reach. And I'm fortunate for the community of women's football and football in general, but women's football, everybody was around me. The day I was in the hospital, um, Pittsburgh was actually hosting the national championship. So I had players from around the country that were in my hospital room coming to visit, motivating me, reminding me every single day of, you know, why I have to get through this. Um, my family was extremely supportive, but I didn't really have time. And I think it, it worked out better that way. I had a goal in mind that I had six months to reach if I wanted to get to tryout. So I talked to my doctors. I followed all of the, um, you know, instructions that they had given me. I wore the compression garments and did the treatments and did all the things that they had told me to do. So I was guided in the right way. I followed instructions and just, you know, I had people around me that were, were right by my side. And then very shortly after 2017, that first international level, how how was that experience? Was it intimidating? Were you just confident and locked in? What was that like? It was definitely intimidating. It's nice because the way that it's scheduled out, you get to go through your full season first. So women's football, we play in the spring. We play normally April through July with the championship being in July. So we were in full season at that point. So, you know, I was kind of going, going, going. I had gotten through the fear of, you know, my legs at that point. I had worn a lot of garments to make sure I didn't get turf burn or anything like that. But, you know, I had the confidence of being back on the field, but then putting on the USA jersey and the red, white, and blue and going against other countries in 2017 was definitely an eye opener. You know, intimidating. Absolutely. You see these other countries and their top best players and, you know, a selection of only 45 women that could represent the U.S. So it was um, an honor, but absolutely intimidating. I can imagine. Yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> and you're like, oh, wow, this is a pretty big stage we're on oh, here. Absolutely. Um, so you played with the Pittsburgh Passion mm -hmm. up until they kind of had to shut down for COVID. Yeah. At that point, you know, you're kind of faced with what next. Mm -hmm. How do you pivot into coaching? COVID kind of helped in that sense. You know, I had, uh, I've always liked mentoring or coaching and, you know, I wanted to be a teacher. So they kind of all correlate in the sense, right? So COVID hit, our season got canceled. I was already starting to go back and finish my bachelor's degree at that point. So I had finished it online. And then I got a call from the Cleveland Browns about the Bill Walsh diversity internship. It was virtual that year, but I had the time to do it. I didn't have to choose between work. I didn't have to choose between playing. I didn't have to choose between anything else because there's nothing more that you could do but sit in your home, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so I did the virtual internship, which was awesome. I got to talk to Coach Stefanski. I got to work with, you know, a lot of the people I was in the quarterback room. So virtually it was a little bit different. I didn't get the hands-on experience, but it kind of gave me a segue that really piqued my interest. You know, it was something that kind of fell on my doorstep and was an opportunity. Um, so I took it. And then from there, it was kind of like, okay, if I can't play, what's the next best thing? We didn't have a season in 2020. We didn't have a season again in 2021. So I chose my career and, um, you know, took a long shot reached out to some people in Southern California. I got on with a D3 team out there, University of Redlands. So I was thankful for that opportunity. And then, you know, it's easier to stay away from playing when you're involved in it every single day. Yeah. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. 
Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay. So you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah. Like, check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, <laughs> hey, hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have know to do that saying? with Some everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. But I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self, and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, no, cut to now you're with the New York Football Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've seen some interviews in which you talked about your interview process with Joe Shane and Brian Dable and how, you know, you knew you had this uh, Team USA thing on the horizon here, but you wanted to be here as well. What was that interview process like for you? They made it super easy, honestly. They're incredible guys, and you can tell that one of the, one of my favorite things about Joe Shane and Brian Dable is that they just care about you as people. You know, in this industry, a lot of that, I think, gets left behind because there's a job to get done, and everybody wants to win, and everybody is, you know, the job on the focus, but they care about you as people. So when I was interviewing with them, I was very transparent and just let them know um, you know, I had this endeavor that I needed to go and try out for. I wasn't even for sure on the team yet, but I wanted to try out. And if I did make it, this would be kind of what was happening. And Joe Shane said, you know, I, I'm all for it. I just have to double check with everybody else and make sure that that would be okay because you would miss the first couple of weeks of training camp. And that's really pivotal for, for this position and the season. Uh, and then once I got offered the job, they just kind of told me, keep me in the loop. If you make the team, like we're supportive, we support you 100%. And then fast forward, I went to tryouts, made the team, and nothing but support. As soon as I got back in the building, everyone was excited. And coming back, everybody was just as excited for me. So I mean, was, they made it easy. Coming back with the gold medal is not <laughs> too shabby right there. That's just, it's an instant flex. But yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious what that must have been like because, you know, you've got your team that you're playing for. You've got to know this playbook inside and out. You've mm-hmm. got to study. You've got to be prepared. And then you've got the team that you're coaching for. You've got to know this playbook inside and out. You've got to study. You've got to be prepared. Yeah. How was that? process and balancing all of that still working on the balancing part of it there's no (laughs) doubt about it um now i can kind of forget that stuff and get back into this mode but you know the summer was was a little challenging we had some time off where we as coaches are really trying to get prepared for the season but like you said as a player i was trying to study a different playbook right luckily they're both offensively you know um offensive sides of the ball. So some things correlate, but just different languages. I always say that football is the same language. It's just in a different dialect. So as soon as you learn that, you know, I have to just retranslate everything from one way into another. And it was challenging trying to study. I was definitely on the field at training camp, mixing some stuff up, thinking about some of the concepts we have here that didn't necessarily relate. But, um, you know, one of the things that Dave's always talks about is being smart and you have to be able to transition your mind. And yeah. it's so challenging getting back into this playbook a little bit and trying to forget everything I are, you know, was just on the field doing a few weeks ago. But, right. you know, work in progress. Right. So coming into this year, you're, you're an offensive quality control coach. Mm-hmm. What uh, how would you describe what the day to day of that job entails for people who aren't as familiar? 
Yeah, I think that uh, the offensive quality control position is actually really important. It's kind of the behind the scenes type thing, uh, you know, breaking down a lot of film, opponent scouts, stuff like that is uh, a big factor. But then really being able to do anything that the offensive side of the ball needs. For me, it's the offense. You know, we have one on defense and special teams, but um, pretty much anything that needs done. So Coach Kafka needs something organized and done the way that he wants it. That's, you know, something that he can throw on my plate. My day-to-day things, uh, so I do our practice data input and I do our completion data charts, so track what the quarterback's decisions are on on the field, um, you know, and keep all that information and data and put it into a spreadsheet for the uh, quarterback coach and then the coordinators um, help with the practice data input afterwards. So anything we run at practice has to match up with the film that we use, so that way the coaches understand, you know, exactly what they're supposed to be looking at. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sitting in on a lot of meetings, listening in on things, and then I'm fortunate for for my position, I get to help out with the tight ends as well. So learning from Coach Bischoff while I'm in there, um, anytime that there's position meetings, I'm in those meetings with him and kind of getting to learn the position side of it as well. That's awesome. And how much or how valuable really is your playing experience in relating to these coaches and players? Because I think, you know, a lot of women, I think, think, oh, it must be intimidating walking into this room and, mm-hmm. you know, guys thinking, OK, what, you know, in past years, what what could a female have to Printed, offer the yeah, game? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. For me, I think that it's definitely important. And you're seeing it uh, a few of the people, not all of the women, but a few of the women that have become successful in the NFL are former players. Callie Brownson, Jen King, Katie Sowers, like we all played in the same league for years. So I think that their playing experience has definitely helped. It's not necessary, but. I think it kind of helps you on the field more than anything or when you're watching film because we've studied it our own and it's been our own way for years. We didn't have access to everything that we do in this industry, but um, I think it did help bring a little bit of that that confidence to it. I wouldn't say that I know everything by any means, but it also gives me a couple talking points to the players to get to relate to them a little bit more. You know, hearing some of the players interested in the fact that I've played and kind of shocked by that, it brings a little bit different of conversation instead of thinking, oh, I've only studied in in a book like no I've been on the field I've been in your position maybe not at the same exact level or in the same exact game but I've been there I've been a part of it and I think that um it translates in a lot of those conversations well and also going through the injury hurdle that you've gone through and players out here going through facing adversity in that regard I've heard so many guys on this roster talking about just getting used to their body again feeling Mm -hmm. comfortable again and you having had that experience as well it's got to translate pretty beneficially Yeah, I think that I'm not quite as as upfront about that as maybe I should be. And now that you bring that point, it's something I can relate to with these guys. You know, injuries are are rough. They they're more mentally taxing than physically taxing, in my opinion, because Mm -hmm. especially in this job, like you're not guaranteed a spot on a team. So if you can't play, then, you know, what can you offer? So getting people in the mindset of just the every day, getting back to getting better and just continuing the grind, even though you're injured, is really important. I love seeing the players that are injured but are still engaged in every single aspect of practice or meetings or asking more questions and are continuing to to drive and not let themselves kind of fall into that pit of being injured. And, you know, I can't say that I've really been open with a lot of people about my accident, but um, maybe now that I will be, now that you bring that up. Okay. All right. Open a limited time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 
Now, we've got Brian Dable in his very first year as head coach in the National Football League. A lot of guys in this roster are familiar with him in other areas, but Giants fans are still getting to know this man. What is it like being on a staff led by Brian Dable? He's awesome. I mean, his energy is just at the peak every single day. And I think that's one of my favorite things too, is like he walks into a room and he's going to light it up in such a positive way. His energy is high and he makes you just want to continue to be here. Um, yeah. Long days you get tired and you know, it's kind of draining some days and you know, that's part of the grind. That's part of the league, but seeing him continue to just be so energetic day in and day out and he's motivational, you know, he's, he's tough, but in the right kind of ways, it's going to make you want to work harder for him. And he, when he puts his full belief in you, you feel it. And I feel that way in my position too, you know, whenever I first came here, you know, he wants to teach me, he believes that I can do it. And he believes that I'm a part of this staff, just like anybody else. So feeling that I know that the players can feel that as well. And I think that he's, he's going to light up the energy in New York city, which I think that we need. Yeah. He's definitely a ball of positive energy. Yeah, I love to see it. He walks into a room with all that good vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, last season, it was a record of 12 women who worked as full-time coaches in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, Dable's been super, um, outspoken about lifting up people like you, like L.Y. in this mm-hmm. organization. I know there are a lot of women that you you played with as well. Jennifer King, who's with the Washington Commanders yep. as a running backs coach. Uh, mm-hmm. Callie Bronson with Cleveland. Yep. Um, having this kind of community almost of mm-hmm. women who are on a similar path, how much does that help navigate the process? It definitely helps. I mean, um, being able to reach out and I've had friendships with a couple of these girls throughout uh, years of playing. And, and, you know, we've built this relationship that now that they're on this level and they've kind of been there before, being able to communicate with them has been amazing. You know, I have Jen King reaching out. Hey, how's everything going? Yeah. Uh, you know, Callie and I just talked even when we were in Finland, just, hey, how's everything been? You know, can I offer you any advice? Do you need anything? Like just being able to have those relationships and just having somebody that, you know, is feeling what you may have felt or, you know, they've been in that same position. It's huge. Everybody's path is different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do lean on Callie especially because I've watched her journey when she started with the Jets and then with Dartmouth and then with Buffalo and then in Cleveland. Like, you know, and Jen King leaving her basketball coaching job to pursue an opportunity and with the Panthers and her relationship with Ron Rivera, you know, mm-hmm. being able to hear their stories as they happened because I've had this relationship with them. I think has kind of um, brought a little bit of ease to my situation because, you know, I'm here for a reason and they're continuing to grow. And I think that as long as I follow that and, you know, continue to talk to them if I need to, if I'm having a hard day, it just gives me that extra support system, you know, versus your family who doesn't necessarily know the situation, but they support you, you know, (laughs) it's, it's all valued. um, But it definitely is helpful. I'm thankful for them. And even LY, I talk to LY probably a couple of times a week, just making sure that, I'm keeping up and, you know, anytime I need some motivation or some advice, I can go to her. Totally. Cause it is beneficial. I think, I mean, a lot of us have support systems, but mm-hmm. when you tell somebody, Oh, this happened, you want them to know the significance of that rather than spending most right. of the conversation explaining why. Right. <laughs> so it is good to have people in your circle that, that kind of get it. Mm-hmm. Um, Kelly Bronson recently talked about too, about how she's noticed the evolution of women in football and not just like getting stronger physically, but also schematically. Yeah. How, what would you credit that to? I mean, I think more interest, like football in general is spreading around the world and American football at that. And I think that the more connections that are being made, I think is 
really just gaining more of an interest across the world. Like Phoebe Schechter has gone and, you know, helped with the bills and then has taken that over to Great Britain and is really you know, push some of the scheme that she's learned on the girls. And you could tell whenever we played Great Britain, right. um, you know, some of the people that are studying in uh, colleges or here go back in, to Canada and the CFL and starting to teach. So the more people that I think internationally are coming to the States to study it and learn from these higher, higher people, and they're really taking that back home and it's just continuing to evolve. And the interest is going across the board. And, you know, even the games that we're doing in Mexico City or London or all those other things is just bringing that interest everywhere. And USA, though, still kind of at the top of the game, as we can see by the gold medal, (laughs) the Team USA wristband you've got on right now. I need to know what it's like. What is the celebration like when you've just won gold in Finland this year? What can you share with the audience (laughs) that the celebration is like? Yeah, um, it's amazing just to be around the the players that you had spent you know two and a half weeks with getting to that point working and grinding and and you're together nonstop and you know we're you get sick of each other to a point but you just know that you're there for a purpose being able to celebrate that afterwards and this year was different because you know in 2013 2017 even 2010 USA won by a mile. They weren't challenged quite as much, but now that you're seeing the game continue to evolve, I mean, we were down 10-7 against Finland at halftime and we pursued, you know, or continued to persevere and we ended up winning. We were tied 14-14 with Great Britain and ended up coming out 42-14. You know, it's a four-quarter game, but being able to kind of struggle with your team together and build that was amazing. So afterwards, yeah, the celebration was huge. But I think one of my favorite things about it is we celebrated as a team, but women's football celebrated across the board. So Mexico, Great Britain, like all those other countries, we all got together and celebrated together. Nobody was upset that they lost. Nobody was upset that the USA won. It was all eight countries came together to celebrate just another amazing tournament and the continued evolution of women's football. Uh, we had to be on a flight at 7 a.m. the next day, so we didn't really, you know, get too crazy, but it was just pure happiness, honestly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that joy is, is it's got to be palpable. I, you know, you look at the way that the women's sport has taken a stage. I mean, tackle football in the women's game has only kind of come onto the scene, what, 2009 yeah. is when the league started. Um for the young girls and young women out there who are looking at you saying, wow, these are all these possible roles that mm-hmm. I could attain. What, what's some advice that you got at a young age or that you wish you had known at a young age? I think you hear it all the time, but, you know, break through the glass ceiling. I mean, there's there's consistently going to be doors that are closed, but somebody has to get through them. Um, and I wouldn't be in the position I'm in now if other people wouldn't have done that. So if you know, if you can see it, you can be it. And I think that that's huge for, for girls and for women and for any, anybody in the world, frankly. But if you want to do it, you just have to figure out a way to make it happen. And I, you know, I'm thankful for the leaders that I've had in front of me. And I hope that that continues. Angela Baker, thank you so much for taking the time with us today here on Her Playbook. Thank you very much. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 